Morning. It's the morning of Maker Central Friday. Uh, I'm just about to get myself uh, organised. It's a really weird kind of backloaded day this one because we can't. Uh, we've got an arrival time of six p.m. Uh, so I'm not going to leave until after lunch. I'm kind of you know itching to get started now, really. Um, but there we are. It is what it is. Uh, so I'm going to head up after lunch and uh, check into the hotel about five-ish. Uh, drop my bags off and then go over to NEC uh, where we can get the stand set up and hopefully I'll meet Andy either at the hotel or along the way or <laughs> hopefully in the hall but I've got all my stuff organised here I've decided to take everything in sustainers um, there's no there are no trolleys or anything available at the NEC I've discovered by reading through the bumps so at least in sustainers they're all on roll boards I can just wheel stuff in and I've got the, the tables uh set up and painted down here uh, and I've got the stands and the banners and everything sort of to take with me so I definitely need to take the van the van's never done a journey of more than about 60 miles so fingers crossed it'll be all right I'll take it slow and steady can't believe that day has arrived already make a central day right I've got the truck kind of half packed at the minute ready to rock right that ear candy crate is gonna have to come out and go in the back I'm going to put tools in the back, I think. Because the trouble is, when you're going on a long journey like this, the last thing you want to do is realise that you've forgotten something. I've got my plugs, as in wall plugs. I don't know why I would need wall plugs, but I've got loads of like washers and things in there that might be handy. I've got a big box of screws, machine screws, drill bits. And the weather's actually improved a bit as well, which is nice. I've got kind of the fragile stuffs going into my back seat of the truck. And then all the tools and rough stuff's just going in the in the main truck bit. <sighs> Um, so yeah, last few bits and pieces, uh, I realised I needed, uh, like an iPad or phone stand to rest my, uh, cash register till on, and I realised I, I made some so <laughs> a while back for a gift idea, so I'm going to chop a few of those up, and I've got a few, a few bits and pieces, I was taking, um, uh, the, the tray, the, one of the little wooden trays that I made down here, I thought I was going to keep that just to keep labels and stickers and stuff in. I thought it might be interesting for folks to see that as well in the flesh. So I might take a few, I've got a few of the other little bits and pieces for the gift ideas, videos, and knocking around the clock and a few bits and pieces as well, the coasters and things. So I'll take some of those along uh, and we'll see how things go. The, the other thing we've got to do is Andy and I are recording a podcast on Saturday. Normally we'd be recording it this morning. Uh, so we're going to record on Saturday night and no pressure. Uh, and I realised I need to run around and get a couple of cables. Uh, I, I mean, we, we can do it another way, but I've got the gear to do it properly with a um, with proper microphones. So I run around first thing this morning, try and find some XLR cables, uh, and hopefully we'll be good to go. But uh, yes, I'll keep you posted throughout the day, uh, and we'll see how we get along. What have I forgotten? Ear candy crate. A sheet underneath it just to protect my back seat a bit. <laughs> Complete with my Kylie Minogue record, which oh, Kylie's getting a bit squashed. You'll be all right, Kylie. It's just three and a half hours of being a bit squished. So the time is it's ten past eleven, and I'm aiming to be on the road by one o'clock, but I still need to sort out a few other things. I want to get video editing stuff sorted out a couple of things in the house I need to check through me list and make sure I've not forgotten anything I'm in the workshop at the minute I think I've got everything if I haven't it's too late now I think what I'd also quite like to do before I set off is I'm going to dump all the footage off my GoPro that I've already filmed because I filmed all me setup and I might as well dump the footage 
that I'm recording at the minute onto the computer, and then I'm kind of starting with fresh, clean memory cards for the whole trip. I think that might be a good idea. And I need to check my list. Okay, well, that's me all loaded up. Yeah. Uh, just about ready to go. Next stop. Oh no, next next stop won't be Birmingham. I'll stop along the way, but uh, yeah, on my way to Maker Central. Woo! Oh my god, I just literally left the iron on. Couldn't make it up. I was in the middle of ironing a shirt, and then I got distracted by something, probably filming something. And <laughs> luckily I hadn't left the house yet, so I have ironed my shirt now. And one other thing I haven't quite done yet is uh, download some podcasts for the journey. I've got three and a half hours of sitting in the truck, so it's perfect time for catching up on a few of my favourite podcasts. Let's have a look at new releases. Uh, Let's see. What's in Jupiter's Great Red Spot? Daniel and Jorge explain the universe. Awesome podcast. Download that. Fools with Tools. We've got to download a Fools with Tools podcast. Episode we've got, episode 83, Hindsight's a Dire Wolf. Let's download that one. Let's go for a 99% Invisible from Bombay with Love. I'll have that. Unforeseen Underpants Gnomes. Right, I've currently got my GoPro copying off loads of stuff on my computer. I haven't set off quite yet. But it's coming up, it's like 12 o'clock. I haven't got time to do any video editing. I was wanting to get a bit of editing done before leaving, but that's not going to happen. But I'll tell you what I am going to do. Our poor lawns. The grass is like a foot tall, so I'm going to cut the grass before going. If I'm now late, because I'm cutting the grass and... uh, do apologise, Peter. still about an hour 50 minutes or so to go so I don't want to hang around for, for too long but just need a bit of a leg stretch because I haven't done a journey of this sort of length for a while either so uh, I'll give myself 10 minutes me and the motor and then we'll uh, get back to it oh it's getting a bit boring now I've been driving for oh, about three hours now according to the sat nav I've got 28 minutes and I'll be at the travel lodge in Birmingham. I should get there about ten past five. It's one of those kind of sunny afternoons where the road's all wet from all the rain and you look in the rearview mirror and all you can see is a really, really dark sky before behind you. But ahead, it's all clear blue skies and it's lovely. So, I don't know what time Peter's arriving. I don't know if we're going to meet at the Travel Lodge or at the NEC at the minute. Oh, and here's me driving down, listening to the Fools with Tools podcast. And Al gave me a shout-out. Thanks for that, Al. It brought a little tear to my eye. It was totally, totally took me by surprise. And it was lovely. So thanks for that, Al. And thank you, guys. Fools with Tools podcast. Awesome podcast. If you don't listen to it already, get yourself subscribed to it. Brilliant podcast. But it was a bit of a surreal moment because I, w- I was listening to the show, thinking to myself, oh, we haven't given Fools with Tools a shout-out on our podcast for a little while. We should probably give them a shout-out. I think we gave them one when we first started the show. Come on, are you going to pull out, or what are you doing? Oh, don't know. But it's always good to promote local stuff that is good. And Fools with Tools podcast is one of those things. I'm saying local, it's pretty international. Brett's from 
across the pond. So anyway, as I say, I was just sitting there, driving away, listening to the show, and then literally, as if by magic, Al just popped up saying, I'm going to give a shout-out to Andy Mack. And at first, I was like, he must be talking about a different Andy Mack. That's, like, it's too surreal for that shout-out to happen. It all started to get a little bit kind of existential. Now, what if he's currently recording a podcast talking about the Measuring Up podcast? That would be weird. Oh, and I ate a Yorkie bar while driving and I've just discovered that my black jeans are covered in melted chocolate. So that's a brilliant way to meet Peter for the first time. Hi, Peter. Nice to meet you face-to-face, finally. My jeans are covered in what looks like, well... Anyway, so we have arrived at our destination, apparently. I guess we have. Uh, no sign of the uh, Andy Mack wagon yet. So I guess he's on his way. I know, I know he's on his way, but I don't think he's here. So anyway, I'm going to go and get myself sorted. Oops, sorry, camera. It's there. Uh, yeah, so uh, an eventful journey. I had to come through, uh, I came off the motorway after I'd stopped. Uh, because of roadworks and traffic and congestion and stuff, and came through Kenilworth, which is where my grandmother was born, curiously enough. Right, I'm done. I'm going to check in. Oh, right. According to the sat-nav, I'm seven minutes away from my travel lodge. But, because of the dodgy traffic, it's now five past five, and it reckons I won't get there until 11 minutes past five. I think... That'll give us enough time to check in and then get to the NEC for six o'clock, I think. Yeah, they weren't kidding when they said it was an airport hotel, did they? <laughs> okay, so I'm here. Uh, five o'clock, pretty much bang on the money. We'll see when uh, Andy Mack arrives and then get ourselves out to, uh, to our time slot for unloading. Literally, the travel lodge, it, it's... I can almost touch it. It's like 20 foot away from us, but I'm on the other side of the carriageway. So, somewhere up here, it's got to be a right turn. It's got to be this. This is it. So, I think that might be our man Andy just arriving. I'm going to uh, nip downstairs uh, and see if I can catch him as he's, as he's getting out of the van, out of the, out of the truck. Okay, lifts. Uh, lift's not working, or lift's way up high. Uh, I'm going to run down the stairs. Ah, here we go. Here's a short stay car park. Up to, yes, this is the one. Up to three hours. How much? Hotel short stay. Uh, yep, take it please. I can see a white van that I can only assume is Peter's van. I don't want to block him in. I'll park a bit further up here. That's Peter's van, I can see it. <laughs> sort out what stuff I'm going to bring into the hotel. Uh, leave that there. My poor phone's red hot. I think what I'll do, I'll get checked in and then I'll go and find Peter. Scratcher, I can see him. I can see Peter. Hold on. There he is. (laughs) It's a a car park. You can't can't leave commercial vehicles in here. Hiya, Peter. How you doing? All right. (laughs) Nice to get you. Got to give me a hug. Got to give me a hug. Good to see you. How's it going? Go all right, thank you. You know, we're finally here. Hey! Finally met. Yay! <laughs> Welcome back to the Measuring Up podcast, the UK's first, and we like to think favourite commercial joinery podcast. I'm Peter Millard, and as well as running a virtual 10-minute workshop for YouTube, I run a small but far from perfectly formed carpentry and cabinet-making workshop in the no-man's land of West London. And I'm Andy McClellan, and I run a cabinet-making and joinery business and wood working thing up in Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK and every couple of weeks we get together 
to chat about all things commercial joinery related and woodworking and all about trying to make some money out of woodworking in, in the UK. How are you, Peter? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm need to go in hospital for a new throat. <laughs> we, we sound a little, a little more hoarse than usual this week because we're recording this. In fact, the whole acoustics are probably a little, little bit different this week because we're recording this uh, on the road, as it were, from the Makers Central uh, event. Uh, we are live from Travel Lodge Birmingham <laughs> Airport. <laughs> so if you hear a, a swooshing sound, they said it was near the airport, and we didn't realise they meant it was on the runway. We are very, very close indeed to the airport. And, uh, you know, yes, it's, it's, <laughs> it's convenient for the airport, certainly. You can't argue with that. Peter, that picture you sent, or you showed us, of a plane taking off that looked like it was taking off in your bedroom. Yeah. Which was just insane. You think it was a picture on your wall, but actually, you know, that is a v- the view from my window. Um, but all good stuff. Uh, make a central what a, what an event! What a day! Wow, it's been quite a week, one thing and another. But Maker Central Day. This is today was the first full day at Maker Central. Uh, Maker Central, of course, uh, the huge maker event in the NEC in Birmingham, and it was our first day of our, our stand that the podcast has, the Measuring Up Podcast stand at the event, and we've been promoting this a little bit, uh, suggesting that anybody who's at the event comes along and says hi, and I think everybody did, didn't they? Literally everybody. It was um, a crazy day, really, wasn't it? it yeah, was absolutely just, fantastic. What awesome, awesome people. Thank you, everyone, who came out to yeah, see us. absolutely. On- it, it was non-stop. Literally, we arrived at about 9 o'clock this morning, just after. Uh, the doors opened at 10. I managed a very quick walk around uh, with my phone, and I did do a live stream, but nobody has watched it, so I'm not, <laughs> not convinced that that's actually gone out, but... Uh, and after that, uh, I neither sat down nor veered past the front of our little three-by-three-metre three enclosure all day long. We've had a steady stream of people and well-wishers coming up to shake our hands and uh, telling us how much they enjoyed the podcast and indeed the uh, respective YouTube channels. Literally from nine o'clock this morning when, when we arrived to set up to quarter past six in the evening when we finally kind of got out, yeah, absolutely amazing, and people kept on coming over and offering us cups of coffee and drinks, and which was very, 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 much very appreciated. welcome. Yeah, we we really appreciated that. So it's one of those kind of slightly awkward things where if someone's been queuing for, and I can kind of understand now why, like Jimmy Dorester and Bob Claggett and stuff, were in the situation they are, are always in at these sort of shows where you can't really leave if someone's been queuing especially with those guys where they're getting really really big queues and you can't really move anywhere if someone's been queuing for 45 minutes or an hour to talk to you you can't just wait till someone gets to the front of the queue and say right i'm off to the after the bar, bathroom, and, after the bar, yeah. to get a cup of coffee or whatever else. So yeah, gonna go and get some lunch. Just wait here for another hour, and I'll be back. So, and we kind of got our first appreciation of that, and it makes a lot more sense now. Why? Uh, yeah, it obviously wouldn't be fair if people have been queuing for a while to chat to us, and it wouldn't really be fair for us to just walk off and. Yeah. Um, we thought we thought we might have been able to find a bit of time to sort of tag team. One of us goes to get a bite to eat or a cup of coffee, but actually we just had a queue for each of us all day long. I don't think there was a, a single moment when there wasn't somebody stood in front of our stand waiting to talk to us. I didn't even get a chance to open my packet of Tunnock's tea cakes that was our lunch, basically. You had Tunnock's tea cakes? They've been sitting on the stand and I didn't get a chance. Someone brought over a full, I think it was Matt, brought over a full packet of biscuits for a while. Wow. That didn't get open. Did you uh, manage to open any? No, no I've got. A, I had a pack of apples and uh, I had a bottle of water. I think I drank some water during yeah. the day. But other than that, I haven't eaten anything. I've been to the loo. Uh, all I've done, as you can probably hear from uh, slightly croaky voices, is talk. I don't think I've spoken so much or shaken so many hands today uh, as I ever had. In fact, I don't think I've been on my feet for this long before, uh, ever since I was a Saturday lad in a, in a camera shop. It's brutal at our Tiring. age. It's Standing exhausting. still for a long time. It is absolutely it's exhausting. And the, worst, and the worst part is you stand still for all the time and then you have to walk a couple of miles to get back to the car, yes. back to the truck. It's, 
uh yeah that was that was hard um but yeah uh, uh, what a what a day amazing uh, it is a fantastic event this is the first one that i've been to andy you were there last year i know i, I got the dates wrong uh and it is a, an absolutely brilliant brilliant event uh just uh, something for everyone well i i quipped as a bit of a joke but actually it's quite serious i've never seen so many wives and girlfriends walking around uh, a show like this smiling not yes. not being dragged around being happy to be there yeah. because there's something for everybody and kids as well and kids as well good, yeah good. much more uh child-friendly yeah. events and things for kids this year and a few young teenagers as well like real aspiring woodworkers who we are absolutely relying on to kind of pick up the gauntlet and like you know just to keep the crafts running because there's so many people just aren't into that these days and it's so lovely to see um younger folk getting into making stuff and to be doing all this craft related stuff and just incredible work that these people are doing as well it's very humbling very humbling seeing some of the projects that people have been doing and and just hearing about a lot of people who are getting into woodwork and hopefully we've helped a little bit along the way of chatting about our various stories and um just kind of life behind the wheel of and we we got chatting today with some really experienced way beyond you know people doing stunning staircase Absolutely. work and all proper that sort of real thing. Craftsmen today, yeah, uh, uh, and you know they, they come in to talk to us, yes, just because we happen to put a few a few videos out on YouTube. It's it's uh, as you say, it's a it's a humbling experience. It is, it's, uh, and it kind of makes it feel like it's all worthwhile. Yeah, we I know we we go on about sometimes about the the trolley sort of comments that we get and the and the uh, the, the silly comments, uh, but really, an event like this just makes it all worthwhile. Um, it does. It absolutely does. So thank you to each and every person for coming out. If you couldn't make it at the moment, we don't know whether or not there's going to be another one. Um, we'll, we'll be heading over to the Hilton Bar tonight and we'll be um, keeping uh, uh, an ear to the ground. You in know. the interests of research, you understand. Yeah. That's, where, that's where all the cool, heads hang, cool kids hang out. So we're... We thought we'd go and sort of lower the tone a little bit. Yes, so yeah. we'll, we'll head over there and like try and uh, have a bit of a chat and see if we can get any updates on. It's probably too early to tell whether or not they'll no, be doing another so. show next year. Uh, but. The general feeling seemed to be that, that the ticket sales were particularly good this year and that it it, it might be on for another year next year, next year, which would be which would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, it was uh, yeah quite quite an event. And there was people from. Or not just the UK, from no, from all over, from all from France, from Denmark, uh, Norway, Poland. Yep. Where else? Any I've missed out? Obviously, America. Uh, uh, yes, a few Americans there. Um, uh, yeah, just a, a, a real island, broad range yeah. island. Yeah, north and south. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, just a fantastic, a fantastic spread uh, of events and people attending. Just really, yeah. really terrific. Now, we can't really tell you what Make Central was like because we literally haven't seen any of it <laughs> other than our stand. We can tell you what our stand's yeah, like. Yeah, our stand's fantastic. It looks exactly like the picture on it uh, and photos on Instagram yeah. uh, and the videos. But, uh, yeah, the rest of the event, as I, I, we, we both had a very quick walk around first thing this morning before everything opened. But once things were happening, we literally didn't leave the stand. So, uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of tricky for us yeah. to say, but but from the impression we had, it looked really good. Yeah, yeah. From our perspective, Make a Central is basically a, a three by three by three white cube. Yeah, with a few of our logos on. Beautifully appointed white beautifully cube. Beautifully appointed, appointed white cube. with some white fine cube. looking tables and logos. Yeah. Oh, and the most stunning bandsaw cut signs that uh, Jimmy Duresta would be proud. He would. In fact, we need to find Jimmy at some point and get him to just come autograph and autograph them. Or, or spray his Lego on them. Well, he's not doing that. You know how long that took. You can spray it on the back. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't had a chance to catch up with any of the big names yet because they've all had giant queues yeah. all day. So we'll head over the Hilton later on and see if we can find see a few. If we can catch up with people before they go to bed. It yeah, how all, before, we, everyone before we crash completely. So um yeah did did you meet um, anyone 
particularly interesting today? Uh, there were a few people, actually. And uh, we actually met somebody who, uh, just to, to, to go into a little bit of follow-up, we met somebody who had emailed the show uh, discussing the uh, uh, woodworking education. And uh, it was it was a, an interesting story, and you've paraphrased this, Andy, in the uh, in the show notes, haven't you? Yeah, this was a really interesting one, and you know, we always say the last show was the last show that we'll ever talk about <laughs> apprentices, but um, we'll talk about it again today because it is quite interesting. Um, as as everyone's aware, we've had lots of different views on apprenticeships and time-served nature of things and qualifications. And the thing that generally comes across that we've been told by quite a few people is that in order to become qualified as a joiner, you have to complete an apprenticeship and you can't get your NVQ or whatever until you've had your, well, until you've completed your apprenticeship. But Adam was basically saying, uh, that he re- retrained later on in life and was taking his City and Guild's advanced carpentry and joinery qualification and can now consider himself as a qualified and obsessed joiner. And interestingly, his son has also taken a level two City and Guild's carpentry and joinery qualification. And his was supposed to be an apprenticeship with one day a week in college, four days a week in an apprentice position with a local firm. But Somehow, between the college and everything else, it failed to organise the apprenticeship, and the college just let him do the whole course in a single year with no apprenticeship, and he was given the full qualification at the end of it. And we've heard this on more than one occasion of people saying, well, I'm qualified and I've never done an apprenticeship. Yeah. And and it kind of... Uh, and, and Adam um, did it as part of a, a, a college course that he paid for and qualified in nine weeks, but spread over six months, but again, with no apprenticeship, but he's now qualified. Um, and uh, I think that's level one, but he can go on and do the level two if he wants, but there's no apprenticeship as part of it in mm. any way, shape or form. Yeah. What was very interesting when we were chatting to Adam uh, in the show today as well, is that he said he, he did, uh, did this course uh, at a at a, a university in uh, oh, excuse me a well thought of technical college and uh, the range of students there were from all over the world there were Australians and uh, Europe other Europeans and uh, Americans uh, and it, he raised a very interesting point about how carpenters cabinet makers joiners are regarded in other parts of the world and particularly in the in the US uh, somebody with a these sort of qualifications can really make good money mm-hmm. in the US uh, because the, a lot of their houses are timber framed. So there's presumably a lot more of that sort of work uh, available to them. But it's uh, it, it it brought up the difference I think between sort of how carpenters and joiners are, are regarded here in the UK compared to uh, a highly skilled trade in, for example, the US. Yeah, and and we hear about this a lot where. Tradesmen in general are, and not just in the US, you know, Germany and, and other parts of Europe, where tradespeople are genuinely regarded very, you know, quite highly in society and respected and not kind of looked down on and, and, and the sort of attitude that you, you do typically get in, in the UK, sadly. And now things are, things are starting to turn a corner, I think. And I think a lot of that is because a lot of the smaller players have, probably the ones who have been maybe not charging enough and haven't really thought out the business side of things enough. And uh, there seems to be a lot of people who are now, you know, really charging a fair rate for what they're doing and doing stunning, beautiful work. Mm. And we need to see more of that because we need to see more of the standards being raised and the prices being raised to, to match. Um, because there's too many people, certainly in the past, there's been far too many people going out and just charging pennies for for what is a, a really highly skilled and should be highly regarded occupation. Yeah, 
and uh, highly paid as well. Uh, uh, what was really really interesting today in talking to a, a few people, I had a, a few guys. So I think literally th- three or four who came to me who said they were currently working for somebody else, but they were going out on their own. You know, later on in the year, and did did I have any advice for them? And the you know the the principal one was don't undersell yourself. Yeah, uh, you know there are, there is a skill shortage. Um, if if the country as a whole has been waiting for a moment when you can put your rates up. Now is that now moment. Is it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these sort of moments don't come across that often. And if there's, there should be no reason. Um, I mean, obviously there's pockets of the country where, but you just need to target your business to where, where the money is and where yeah. the, the shortage of work is. And there's never been a better time to try and get the the rates of pay back to a reasonable level. Mm. And one of the things that I've been kind of talking about offline is saying, and and this is kind of a slightly arbitrary number, but I don't think anyone should be charging under £30 an hour, generally speaking, if you're self-employed. That that should be your entry bare minimum, even if you're doing – Painting and decorating, yeah. in my view. Yeah. Handyman work. Yeah, know. yeah. And um, if you're doing anything that can be vaguely described as a skilled job, and certainly painting and decorating comes into that, certainly handyman work comes into that. Mm. All the regular trades obviously come into that. But we're still, you still hear the odd report of people saying that they're charging 10 or £15 an hour and making a, a comfortable living. And yeah. I've I just don't believe that. No, I don't either. And I've put the question out there on YouTube to everyone, uh, just as part of a YouTube poll. And and the vast majority were charging over thirty pound an hour, but yeah. there was still a reasonable. I haven't checked the stats re- recently, but there was a reasonable proportion charging under fifteen pound an hour. And the question on my little poll on YouTube was worded: If you view yourself as well, running a successful business. Mm-hmm. What hourly rate do you charge? And I broke it down into various categories. So yeah. if, if you view your business as successful and you're self-employed, what hourly rate are you charging? And there was a reasonable proportion of people thinking that they're successful but charging under £15 an hour. Yeah. And I put a note on that saying, if you are charging under £15 an hour, I'm not saying that you're lying, but please could you send me a copy of your accounts? And you can completely anonymize them in any way, shape, or form that you want. Yeah. You know, take your name out of it, take your company name out. All I want to see is the numbers, the numbers. and nothing else. Because if you're charging under £15 an hour and you run your own business, and I'm not talking about being a subcontractor, I'm not talking about anything where you're on a long-term contract, that's different. Yeah. But I'm talking about if you're from week to week working for different clients. I just don't understand how you can make those numbers work if you're charging less than £15 an hour. Yeah. Um, and I've run through the numbers in my little hourly rate spreadsheet and run yeah. so many different scenarios. And if, you, if you're if you taking into account everything that you need to take into account, you can't be making any more than minimum wage. And In fact, you're probably making significantly less than minimum wage. Yeah. But an interesting one, but it's it's always good to hear back from people on on this subject one of the things that adam Mm. did say was that one of his modules was to build a stud wall as per a technical drawing so this was at college the only teaching and preparation that he had was to be given a drawing which was a poor photocopy with a couple of measurements on and he was allowed 10 minutes to ask any questions and then just had to get on with it for the very first time in his life. And at the end of it, he handed it over for assessment and it was graded. So there was no teaching involved no. at all. You were given a bad photocopy and just said, build a stud wall. And the worst part is, if you don't know how to do it, then you also don't know what questions to ask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was one of the major points that came across. How do you know what to ask if you've never done if it before? If you've never done it, you've, you've never, never even attempted it before. Yeah. So uh, there's more and more becoming apparent, I think. We're still learning about how all this works, 
Yeah. And but I think it's becoming more and more apparent that something desperately needs to be done. And now seems like a really good time to do it while the market's fairly buoyant. Yeah. But not 100% what the answer is yet. No, indeed. Uh, but as we said, the reason that the, the market is fairly buoyant at the moment is that there is a skills shortage. And as we mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, because of the crazy uh, stamp duties that we are required to pay here in the UK, people are choosing to stay and fix up yeah. rather than buy, uh, move on and buy another property. Yeah. So uh, there is there is lots of work around there. And a huge amount of new build properties yeah. being built and carpenters working for big developers can get paid really good money now. So why mm. even bother running your own business, you know? Yeah. yeah. And this is why the market is in the, the the state it's in at the minute. And hopefully it will um, set a precedent for people charging a much more fair rate for the sort of work that they're mm. doing. But um, we love hearing about it because we, we want a really broad cross-section. This is probably the only opportunity there has ever been to discuss this sort of stuff in the UK before, I would guess. Maybe there's been online surveys and stuff like that, but certainly yeah. Yeah. I very much doubt a podcast has talked about this before in the UK. There may be good reasons for that. But yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what do you think as a professional, if you are running a professional joinery business in the UK or woodworking of any description, what do you think is... Uh, what do you think needs to be done to improve things from where they are at the minute? Or maybe you think everything's absolutely fine at the minute. Mm. Who else have we heard from? Uh, we heard from uh, Kyle uh, when talking about uh, new build houses. Uh, Kyle says that the estate that uh, he lives in uh, was built during the 1970s. Uh, uh, he says, in fact, our cul-de-sac used to be on the edge of the estate with views over the valleys, but a few years later, this state was extended, and now we're right in the centre. That happens so frequently, actually, in, in all types of developments. You yeah. you get a property with a lovely view, and then suddenly phase two and phase three and phase five of the building has come through, and suddenly you're looking into somebody else's kitchen window. I've got a story about that in a bit, but go on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, Carl says, although house is detached, you wouldn't know it. We can hear our neighbours vacuuming, and that's with a two-millimetre exclamation mark gap. In between, oh, excuse me, two meter gap in between two millimeters. That'd be tight, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, having been in some some more modern uh, houses, he sees that the quality really hasn't improved. Uh, they had the uh, the house extended fifteen years ago, and the quality of the build is worse than the job that the original builders with did. Uh, so, yeah, not not a great story. Uh, Carl says that the newest house that he'd consider buying would be nineteen sixties, because that's when houses started getting smaller. And started looking like a, a copy and paste job. Uh, although he does say, having said that, I'd much rather just build my own house. But as we say, planning is an absolute nightmare. I'm in a new build, as you know. Yeah. And I've never noticed a problem with noise between properties. But I'm wondering if he's maybe in a timber-framed house or something. Gosh, because because at the end of the day, if it's brick and block, the and and especially if it's brick and block and dot and dab, technically it should be more soundproof than older properties because older yeah. properties often don't even have a cavity no so normally it's just two layers of brick and and that's it so although the bricks are often a lot denser yeah but even so if you've got brick and a cavity then block and a cavity and then your plasterboard mm. you wouldn't expect it to be that non-soundproof mm. but as i say a timber framed house is very very possibly because then it is literally, uh, presumably, OSB, and then brick. Built in the 1970s? Would they have timber frame sure. houses in the 1970s? I'm not sure. Offense, so. I've seen Barrett doing timber-framed houses around where we are, um, yeah. but I'm not sure in the 70s if it would be timber-framed back then or not. Interesting. Mm. But um, the, there's a bunch of uh, where we are. They've released various plots for self-build plots oh, right. um, as part of the giant housing estate that I, I live on. Uh -huh. And they've released like a handful of plots and they're crazy expensive. Like I'm pretty sure that it's like 200, 250 
just for the plot. Just for the plot. And then you've got the build on top of that. So you're talking easily half million plus yeah. houses, which in the northeast that's that's quite a lot, lot of money, yeah. And everyone's done their little self build. I'm saying little, they're mm. substantial yeah. houses. You, know, you would have are, so for a plot for a two hundred thousand. Yeah, but um, so these are like huge, beautiful. Every single one's different because they're all individually designed and everything. Yeah, but each house is like a meter away from the next house. There's like giant house, one meter gap, giant house, one meter gap, and it's just. If I was going to do a self-build and put all that effort into building a house from scratch... I'd want a bit more space around it, wouldn't you? Nothing against people living in these houses. I'm sure they're beautiful Mm. houses. But I think it's just criminal that the plots are so small. Yeah. Um, I mean, presumably there's an element of this being self-inflicted because they've probably made the houses as big as it can possibly make the houses. You could make the house smaller and give yourself more space around it, but... But I think if I was going to have a half million self build, I would want it to be more than a meter away from yeah, the next house. Right. Um, but maybe there's restrictions, planning restrictions on the footprint of the house. Maybe they have to be built that way. I know that they are quite strict on certain things to do with the mm. builds. But separate to that, I'm always on the lookout for properties out in the countryside uh-huh. and, and stuff. Not that it would ever be practical at the minute with young kids and stuff. They, no. they need to be able to get to school. But my wife found a property and it just looked perfect. You know, it wasn't too far away. It was out in the sticks a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, fields all around it. Yeah. Huge amounts of land. It had its own, own paddock. Mm. Of course it would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it had its own, um, like, stables and outbuildings. Basically purpose-built workshop. Right. And, you know, not quite a Jimmy DeResta size shop, but mm-hmm. for the UK, a big shop, mm. you know, kind of, I yeah. think, Mike Farrington size. Right, yeah, yeah, got it. Two and a half thousand, three thousand square foot or something. Ten times the size of what we've got at the minute. Exactly, today. exactly. And it was, one of these properties was on for like, with all this land, mm. detached house, outbuildings, giant fields, in the middle of the countryside. And it was on for like 350000 or something. Wow. It was like, oh, that looks very, very interesting. interesting. Did a bit digging and whatnot. Oh, look, there's a planning application in. Every square inch of land around that house is going to have a giant housing estate built yeah. on. Um, they are, they're desperate to sell it. I'll be yeah, surprised obviously. if they'll be able to sell it. They'll, every single bit of greenery around their house is going to have new builds everywhere. So um, suddenly the appeal of living out in the countryside, if you did want that. I mean, it would still be quite tempting, but mm. it does put a dampener on things a little bit. It does, right? it does. What Shame. have you been working on, John Boys? Oh, what a week. Um, <laughs> we might have a little bit more of this in the after show. But uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm still not clear of these flaming bedside tables, which have been hanging oh. around the workshop since well, the last podcast and probably the one before as well. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, <laughs> I'll be done with. But it's been a bit of a a difficult difficult week in that regard. Uh, I had uh, uh, I, I finished the tables, the paint finally dried, and they got a good enough finish on them. Uh, and it was it was they looked great. I would have posted a couple of little. Bits and pieces up on Instagram. I'm 10 Minute Workshop on Instagram and Andy, your Gosford Handyman, or indeed uh, at Measuring Up Podcast on Instagram. Yes. Um, we use Instagram a lot for these little photos and short video snippets and things. I put a little couple of little bits of video up on Instagram and you can take a look and see them there. But they, they looked really nice. It was, you know, the paint's been problematic, but the finish is lovely. Uh, I fitted the little sort of cup, slipper cup feet onto them and I wrapped them up ready, you know. Lots of bubble wrap and all stuff to, to protect everything. Uh, and I told the uh, design associate that I've been working with at the uh, designers that they were all finished. And, oh, can you, can you send us a picture? Yeah, okay. Unwrapped it, you know, took a picture, sent off to them. Long pause, more than a day's pause. Oh, um, we're not sure about the feet. We might need to change them. They look a bit chunky. And describe these feet. What are, are they? Metal feet. They're, they're metal slipper cups. So it's like a little, a little, 
a little flower pot. If you imagine a little, a square-sided flower pot, only tiny, so f- curved, slightly flared towards the top, mm-hmm. and, the, and the foot just sits in it. Does it screw in or anything? Or uh, there's, just there's rest a, in yeah, there? a couple of screws underneath right. it just to secure it. Uh, and these are these are fairly, you know, they're not fine castings. The inside is pretty crude. They're not particularly square or level, uh, so they're not trivial to fit. But you know, I got it done. That's fine. They don't like them. Too too heavy looking. Okay. Uh, by by not level, do you mean each foot isn't necessarily the same height as each other? Or uh, yeah, the. The, the insides of the castings have little burrs and things on them, so you've got to, got to scrape all those out. So they're not... they're not Right. Not, but you don't not, have to adjust the height of I'm each not, leg. I'm not, no, I'm not touching the height. Yeah, I was going to say. No, 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 no. Because, uh, you know, they, they were designed to be absolutely flat and level. Yeah. And it's taken, you know, it's not a trivial thing to do. Yeah. It's not a difficult thing to do, but it's not trivial to get a, all four legs nice and flat and square. Yeah. Anyway, I, the, you know... Fine, you're going to change them, you're going to change them. Lots of back and forth about... Uh, they, were, they were having trouble having ch- changed their minds on these feet. They're having trouble to find ones that fit. Uh, long story short, they think they found them. Will this work? They keep sending me technical drawings. And they, yeah, I keep looking at the drawings saying, well, we don't know because we can't see from the drawing that there's internal and external dimensions, but you can't see if that's the, the top dimension or the bottom right. dimension because oh, the foot yeah. flares. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I said, look, why don't you just buy one and send it to me and I'll tell you if it'll fit or not. And this, you know, whatever. Anyway, eventually they, they, they buy one a foot and send it. Uh, and it arrived just before I left, actually. And we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. Anyway, but on, on uh, this was last Wednesday. Um, I got an email late in the day, 5.30, to say, oh, yeah, we've, you know, about the feet, blah, blah, blah. We've bought, we've bought a foot and we're sending it to you. It should be with you soon. Oh, and by the way, designer and client have decided that they don't like the blue paint and we need it painted in Farron Ball, one of the many shades of off-white. No. <laughs> so uh, I looked at that and thought, you know what, I'm not going to answer that right now. I'm going <laughs> to sleep on this for a while. So this is this linseed oil <laughs> This is paint. this linseed oil-based paint. And they which has it, already been a total Which has always been a, a bit of a, a headache. And they want it changed to I can't remember what it was. One of the Farron Ball. So they're moving off the off the moving off the linseed oil paint. Now I don't know if you can overpaint linseed oil paint or not, because it's the whole idea of it is it stays you know soft and tacky and and stays it levels out really well. If anyone has painted all, uh, yeah, oil. I, I asked a few people on on the the Twitter group that I know, a couple of professional uh, painters and decorators, one of whom chipped in. Uh, uh, to the uh, Measuring Up podcast thread, uh, Measuring Up PC on Twitter, uh, uh, after our discussion about linseed oil paint last time. Uh, so I asked him, and he put the word out to anybody he knows, and the the, uh, the results were almost completely balanced. Uh, half the people said, no, never in a million years. Half the people said, well, it should be okay if you thoroughly rub it down and use a difficult surfaces and an, an addition primer yeah uh anyway i've i've the next day having you know processed this information uh i I looked at this and thought you know i don't really want to do this Mm. Uh, they've asked me to and they've they've said they understand it'll involve additional payments and the rest of it uh and i replied to the design associate that i'm working with um who I've been working with all the way through this thing. And these, and these have been going on for a long, long time, these tables now, uh, with the problems with the paint. And I said, hi, yeah, about the feet, yeah, 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 whatever. About the paint, oh, wow, really? Question, uh, exclamation mark. Um, meaning, you know, talking plainly one worker to another, slightly <laughs> overworked and underpaid and oppressed in many ways. Uh, and I knew that you know, they were under a certain amount of time pressure on this. So I said, look, you know, I'm really sorry to hear you don't like the paint. I'm, you, you know, I'm because this has been taken so long with the paint problems and the design problems, this is the, the people who sent me the wrong plans for a week, don't forget. Yeah. Uh, because of that, I'm, I'm actually going away on Friday for a long weekend. So, and here we are. Uh, and then when I come back, I'm going away for another week because I'm, doing my son's bathroom as it happens but I, I didn't mention that but it's uh you know i've got commitments so the earliest i would 
be able to take a look at this would be the, the very end of the month. So I'm, I'm not back until the 27th, 28th of the month. Mm. Uh, and, and I just said, if you, I know there's, there's a certain amount of time pressure on this. If you need it doing sooner than that, can I suggest you check it out too? And they, they use one of two spray painting, the, the guys who do the high gloss right. spray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just shut that off. You know, I've, I've always spoken plainly with them and, yeah. and been straight with them uh, and thought no more of it. About 10 minutes later, I get an email from the big boss designer saying, very formal, dear Peter, blah, 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 you know, part of our role is to adapt ourselves to uh, client changes. Even so, I was shocked at the tone you took with Design Associate. I thought, whoa. What? You were just having... I was speaking plainly, yeah. one, as you would to a co-worker, as yeah. I would to you, um, if you were on the design side of yeah. things. As I would... I've worked with these guys for five years. You know, I've, I've seen this... Not a girl, if young If they woman. were the end customer, then that would be a bit... You'd have yeah, to be would, a bit yeah, more, you'd be a bit, a bit more democratic. Uh, so anyway, the, the upshot of this is, you know, it was a... Uh, I won't ask you to work on this project again, and I'll, and I'll make sure that you're not troubled with work for this client anymore. Bit harsh. Uh, I thought that was, so I said, well, I wrote back straight away. I said, sorry, designer name. Uh, you got the wrong, the wrong end of the stick on this. All I was trying to do was explain, you know, in plain terms, that because of the initial delays and it's, it's the whole job been backed up to a point where I have other commitments now and I can't drop those just to repaint this. And I think if you, because there's been on a, uh, you've been on a schedule on this, I was just saying that if you needed it dealt with sooner rather than later, then it's probably best to give it to one of the, one of your other paint guys rather than have me try and do it. Uh, and I've heard nothing since then. It's probably for the best. So probably for the best. Anyway, uh, I've since had a note from design associate to say that the feet, well, the foot was on its way. So I shot her a quick note to say, I'm very sorry if you were at all offended, but I was just speaking plainly one, you know, one worker to another. And I got a message back to say, no, it's absolutely fine. I'm not bothered at all by it. <laughs> so, so somebody's got their wires crossed somewhere. Maybe but someone it, was just having a bad day. Maybe, or... but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, ended on a bit of a sound note. So uh, it could be that, you know, the work from that source is going to dry up. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, the foot arrived and it's a nightmare. It's, <laughs> the legs are 36 mil square. The inside of this cup foot is 32 mil. So you'd have to cut a, a millimeter off each side to get oh. the foot to fit. Oh, best part. The, the foot then tapers from 32 mil down to 20 mil in the space of about 25 mil. So it's a really sharp tapered angle on that. Uh, could, could you do it? All at 20 mil, or would you see the gap at the top? Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, the other thing is that, yeah, again, it's a, it's a really rough casing, casting on the inside. Right. So, so it's not I, I don't flat. think they're going to be the same. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to have to be each one hand-tailored individually. With the glue the things, in? The thing, mm, that's a thought, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Uh, the thing is there, you know, it's all, no, they can't glue in because they're going to have to be taken off to be painted. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, for when they change their minds again. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a bit of a headache. I haven't quite decided oh. how to handle that one. I think what I'll do, I've still got some of the basic sticks that I use for the legs. I'll try, do a, I'll, I'll do a mock-up on one yeah. and see how long it takes because I, you know, I'm not, it's not a straightforward swap. There's a lot more work involved. Eight Eight legs all of which have been painted, not that the paintwork matters much, but you don't want to mess it up. I was going to say you could do it on the chop saw, but not if it's assembled. It's assembled. If, if it legs wasn't assembled, off. You, could just, you could do yep. the cuts straight down on the chop saw just at the yep. angle and just keep rotating the yep. leg. You nope. can't do that once nope. it's built. Nope. It's a, it's a chisel. Yeah. No, chisel you job. do it, which is everything would get in the road. No, it's got to be done by hand. There's no other way to do it. Um, I mean, if, if with some jigs, you might Maybe be able to get away with the... For it. Maybe. Can't get the router in there. How big are they? Could you uh, get it? the legs themselves? There's a bottom shelf, so the the stub oh. of leg is only a hundred. Oh, I didn't know mil. there was a bottom shelf. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so if it was open. Yeah, if it you was might open, able to get a router yeah. in at an angle with a jig to hold the leg. To so hold the leg at an angle. Uh, I I think it might be uh, a jig and a multi master might be the 
the only way to... Oh, my. Which is a ridiculous thing to do. That's crazy. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to explain, look, it's possible to do this, but this one has taken me an hour, and you've got eight to do, so that's another day's work. Yeah. And why is this just because they don't like the legs they, they, don't they like originally Because they originally picked. picked. Uh, and, yeah, shock horror, yeah. they're struggling to find ones that might fit. With all this in mind and the change of colour, would it not be easier to just start again and charge them for new uh, tables? Probably, but they're not going to pay that. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so a bit of a nightmare on that front. So, uh, yeah. you know, it put a, a bit of a dampener on my week because obviously I've been getting ready for Maker Central. Yeah. And I'm all excited about doing Maker coin swaps and all that sort of stuff yes. and uh, get me stickers printed and all the other bits and bobs. Uh, but, you know, yeah, uh, whatever. We're but here. you did get your coins made. I did get my coins and made. I had a lovely uh, branding iron made. I've never yeah. done that sort of stuff before. So Where was, did you get branding iron? Uh, from a guy on Instagram. Right. Uh, I could give him a plug if I could find his name. Uh, really nice branding iron. Uh, great quality. Uh, does it on a CNC, which is really interesting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, quite good fun to do. Got a blowtorch yeah. going and warmed it up. It's amazing how much warming up they take. They do, and how, how, how well they it? hold their heat. Yeah. They're 40 mil across. 40, I think that's about the size of mine. What's my... Trying to visualise it. Yeah, it's probably about 40. I've got a smaller one, which I've rarely used, and I've got two 40 ones, one for the business and one for the uh, YouTube. Mm. So all of my customer work gets my business branding stuff, and anything that's a YouTube project... It gets, gets you a YouTube, YouTube right, branding right. one. And, uh, but yeah, they take a lot of heating up. Yeah. Did you get a handle with yours? Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I didn't get a handle with mine. It just came with a little five mil threaded rod. Oh, right. Um, and I ended up making a, a handle. And, uh, but the only, what's, do you know what size thread it is into the actual piece? Or? I think it's six mil. Right. Because mine's five mil and it, it feels a little bit, Flimsy. flimsy. I could potentially drill it out and re-tap it, but I'd be really nervous about yeah. accidentally popping out the other side. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's one thing you don't want to do. Isn't yeah. It? So, but it does a job. It's just sometimes it's difficult to get enough pressure on it to get mm. a nice even brand. That's the tricky bit because I, again, the uh, uh, Michael who made mine had uh, gave me some very good advice about because yeah, I, I don't have one. I didn't know which way to go with the whether you go for a, just a line sort of drawing or with a properly dense uh, filled-in pie shape. Right. If you understand my logo. Uh, yeah. uh, and a line drawing worked really well, so yeah. I'm really pleased with it. Well, I'm amazed. On mine, there's bits of the letters, like, for example, the like in Gosforth Handyman, the O's. And the O's have to have a tiny, tiny slither brass mm. strip for the centre of the O. And you look at it, and it's like, uh, A, how do they make that without that yeah, little without bit of brass snapping. falling off? And B, I mean, I've done hundreds of brands with it now. And it's fine. It's fine. And it's like, yeah. you're looking at this sliver of, of brass. It must be well under a quarter of a millimetre. I mean, it looks like a tenth of a millimetre wide. You see how wow. wide this little sliver of brass is? And about two, two millimetres high. Literally, imagine... If you look at my logo and you see the centre of a letter O, mm. it's a very, very thin little strip. And it's like, how, how do you make that? I don't understand how you yeah. even get bits that can cut that. One thing I've been thinking, because I hate my drill press, is putting it in the drill press yeah. and heating it up while it's in the drill press, obviously not switching the drill press on, <laughs> and, <laughs> and using that just to yeah. get a really I, even I tried that. I, somebody had recommended that right, as, a, as right. a method and I tried it and I couldn't get a blowtorch under it uh, enough to heat right. it up yeah uh, no, I tried doing it from the back and it just it was you know taking too long to get any heat into it right right yeah you know, all the all the all the bits underneath it starting to scorch so and plus if you're kind of firing the heat upwards you might accidentally melt the chuck on exactly your, on yeah the, yeah uh, uh, or the little plastic guard around it. Of, or oh, that's all snapped off, man. All right, yeah. But, um, yeah. It might well, melt what's remaining of it. Good, it would save us a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, 
As long as it still functions, that drill press, it will remain in my workshop. Yeah. And it's quite handy for drilling out Euro hinges, but other than that... Yeah, that's that's what mine's dedicated to, typically. Yeah. I've got a video the, about that coming up. The most useless drill. Yeah. Literally the worst purchase next to my GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, I don't have many bad purchases. Most stuff in my shop's pretty good. What is yeah, the worst stuff. thing you've ever bought? Ooh... Gosh, I'd have to think about that, actually. Um, Is there anything that you've bought that just doesn't just work? Just doesn't function properly. Um, probably something, but nothing so bad that it really sticks in my mind. Doesn't really spring to mind. Yeah. I think the only thing for me is that drill press, I think. And I've bought things that I know aren't very good. Yeah, cause, that's cause different. Because I bought them because they were cheap. Yeah, you know. if it's 50 quid for a track yeah, saw, exactly. it's going to be a 50 quid track saw. Exactly. You know, so. Best one in the world. Um, I think, I was going to say the table saw. Um, because it's it's pretty basic and the hasn't got standard size slots. On the other hand, it wasn't particularly expensive, and uh, I really hate the fence. Uh, but then I don't use it much. Yeah, it's a small cast iron topped saw with an induction motor. Yeah, and the dust collection is horrific on it. It's just non, almost non-existent. But it does the job. Um, yeah. And it wasn't expensive, so, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting into with that. I think when I got my drill press, I didn't even have a function for a drill. It was just one of those things that I thought, well, if you have a workshop, you've got to have a drill press. Mm. And uh, it, almost everything in my shop I've bought because I've needed it yeah. for a job. And that's always been my kind of uh, rule of thumb, no matter what it is. I'm, I'll happily buy anything as long as it's paid for in some way, mm. not necessarily outright, but certainly justifiable by uh, a job. Uh, very, very few things I've bought just because I think it would be nice to have. But that drill press was one of those things that I did buy mm. without really thinking about it. And it was it a and q one by any chance? No, I, oh, okay. uh, screw because okay. I, I did almost exactly the same thing. I bought a B and Q one because it was I happened to be in B in B and Q ones, and it was it was there for fifty quid. So yeah. I'll, I'll buy it. You know. This was a hundred quid. I right. thought it would be like better halfway, than it halfway is. decent. Yeah, the play on the chuck is unbelievable. I mean, as soon as it hits a slight deviation in the grain, the the chuck wobbles. <laughs> it, it's like. Um, and it's all right on Euro hinges because you don't get those sort of problems with no, MDF. With MDF no. If I had to do Euro hinges into a natural wood, I don't think I could do it accurately really? enough with that because there would be wow. too much play on the chuck. Um, yeah. It would follow the grain too much. I think. Yeah. Um, plus everything has broken on it. The, the handles that make it go up and down broke. The depth stop broke. The... Um, the bed on it's a pain in the neck to adjust. The um, when the depth stop wasn't broke, it's really awkward to actually set what the depth is because right. you've got to use two, two little screws. To, That's the same as mine. It's so annoying. I wonder if it's the same one. Mm. But no, this is a Titan job. But maybe it should have been fifty quid. Maybe. <laughs> so maybe. Well, we're fifty-two minutes in. Fifty-two minutes. How did that and happen? Goodness knows how much footage we've got from before we met each other yeah but we have met each other we have now. met each other and usually yes this is this is podcasting from the same room yeah lots um, of people were absolutely bemused by the fact that we've managed to record 27 episodes well 26, 26 episodes, episodes of, of, a, of a podcast, podcast. without actually meeting yeah. each other whereas you know that's kind of 21st century how it things is. work isn't it you know it's, i've it's, got friends in inverted commas on twitter and instagram that i've never met yeah uh you know uh, the nature of recording podcasts is that it's actually in many ways better to do it in separate rooms. And yeah. it doesn't really matter where those rooms are. Uh, Although I have to say, it's really nice not having a slight delay. Yes. And it's nice to see you as well. Yes, by the way. It's you absolutely know, lovely you're, to see you're, you. You're clearly sharp and in focus. Okay, yes. <laughs> and you're not lagging at all, you know. Yes. And, you're, you're, and you're the right way up. I'm the is, right way up. Yeah, which is amazing. Yes. A, a major yeah. improvement. Yeah. I don't have to put myself into tablet mode. No. <laughs> We'll keep it brief because we are knackered, and you can probably hear it in our voices. From the voices, are probably sounding a little bit gravelly. Yeah, we are. We are very happy, uh, but we are we are very tired, and um, our voices are broken. Mm. 
Um, but we will join you all over on the after show. Yep. But before we do that, we've got our brand new Patreon shout outs for all of our $3 plus Patreons. And it's now open to every Absolutely. $3 plus. Yeah. There's no limit on so who can join us. And we've got um, some random shout outs. So how how did you randomize this? Because these some of these names are very familiar from the previous, <laughs> previous shout outs. I'm just glancing at that. Okay, it did. I'll tell you how I randomised it. <laughs> I took all the names uh, as an export from because I would appreciate. I, I wasn't entirely sure how to do this myself, but this seemed to work. Um, I didn't export uh, from Patreon, which exports everyone who supports us into a CSV file, which I imported into Excel, and then I could filter it by everyone who's on three dollars plus. So now I've got a list of names of everyone supporting at $3 plus. And then in Excel, there's a random number generator oh, really? function. Uh, I can't remember if it's like equals, rand, brackets, whatever. Anyway, whatever it is, it generates a random number. So all you do is drag that number down all of the cells, and every cell gets a different random number. Right. And then you just sort it. And pick your first top, twenty. Top ten. Top, yeah. top ten so per person. Theoretically, okay. so I've just sorted it, ascending to descending. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorted it uh, highest to lowest. But it really makes no difference because everyone should theoretically have a different random number against yeah. them, um, and pick the top twenty. Right. So I think that. But you're right. It does look like very familiar names. It does. But um, I think it's also because obviously the the bulk of people who supported $3 plus were already having their names mm. read out, yeah. if that makes sense. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for our wonderful Patreon supporters, but especially Dominic Kajinson, Brendan from the Shades Workshop, Chris Dryan, John T. Lynch, Michael Stringer, Mike Parsons, Untested Woodworker, Wilson Chan, Thistledew, Owen Bullock, and Wayne Gilbert. And a massive thank you to Steve Avery, Randall Davis, Harry Kappa, Jay Wong, Kevin Miller, Peter Tone, James's Man Cave, James Taylor, Mike Broom, and Andy Farmer. And where can we find you, Peter? Uh, I am in bed nursing a sore throat. Uh, you can find me uh, at uh, 10minuteworkshop.tv over on YouTube. We'll take you uh, 10minuteworkshop.tv. We'll take you straight there uh, at 10 Minute Workshop. On Instagram or at Ten Minute Shop on Twitter. How about you, Andy? Uh, you can find me Gosforth Handyman on YouTube, Gosforth Handyman on Instagram, and Gosforth Andy on Twitter. Uh, and of course, you can get in touch with the show Measuring Up PC on Twitter or via email contact at measuringuppodcast.com. If you have a minute, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, rank ratings uh, really help push us further up the stack and further up the stack is where we want to be. Uh, uh, and you can support the show, uh, of course, at patreon.com forward slash measuring up podcast. And we'd like to thank everybody who does just that. And hopefully he'll be joining us in the after show as well. Yes, if you come across to the after show now, which you can get via Patreon, we shall continue the conversation briefly because we've got very sore throats. Um, but we'll, we'll do a quick Patreon one, a special Make a Central Patreon. <laughs> yes. And we'll join you over there. Thank you uh, once again. Thank we you so shall... much for listening. Uh, just a quick shout out for the music uh, for today's podcast is by uh, Silver by Riot. So thank you very much for that. Awesome. Take See care. you next time. Ta-da. Ta-da.